The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are just a couple of weeks away from camp opening, and some interesting stuff is actually happening around the league. And uh, there's also some writers who have some really fascinating opinions about the value of players. Fascinating. Um, fascinating. Know, you're, you're really good at this being like um, professional thing. Fascinating. I don't know if I, I would have used the word fascinating, I guess. <laughs> that's only I use that word because train wreck is overused as our dumpster fire. And, you know, I'd be inclined to go downhill from there. I'd be inclined to agree. They are both overused uh, as descriptive, uh, d- descriptive uh, terms. But where do we start this week's show? I mean, there is some stuff to talk about. I mean, there's I a mean, couple there's of signings. talks. There's Habs well, talk. Yeah. Well, we could get the Coyote stuff. I mean, we started off with it last week's talk. Do we want to start with the story heard around the world? Uh, the offer sheet heard around the world. Uh, let's start there. Yeah. All right, we can start with that one because it did it did start last week and Don Waddell and Tom Dundon, you know, they fired the returning salvo as Bergevin fired the opening salvo three years ago. When they signed Kotkaniemi to a $6.1 million offer sheet uh, with a truly unbelievable signing bonus of $20. Which wouldn't even – which won't even be enough to get him a uh, lift from the arena – from the uh, airport to the arena, but uh, is still hilarious. Very true, but the message behind it is priceless. Absolutely. Um, and – Back in 2007, mm-hmm. yes, 2007, the last time there was a successful offer sheet in the NHL, did you really believe it would be, se- uh, what is this, 14 years before yeah. we got the answer to the trivia question to be, who are the two, who are the two uh, most recent successful offer sheet uh, players in the NHL? Well, Jess Berry, Kotkanemi, and Mr. Delicious Wife's Pancakes, Dustin Penner himself, expert on all things medical. Uh, just just check his Twitter. Um, 14 years. 14 years without a successful offer sheet. And people say they're dead. They don't. Ah. They don't try them as often as you might think. So, I mean. Oh, no. It's not even one a year most years. But the shocking thing here is that, well, as it turns out, Montreal has opted not to match said offer sheet. Unlike the the Sebastian Ajo thing three years ago where they truly wanted, they truly matched it. They they didn't have a choice. I mean, Ajo was one of their cornerstones. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Kotkaniemi, $6.1 million is a high price for him. I like him. I think he's got upside. I think it's like one five high based on his performance. And that yes. even one five high is probably being favorable to the player. 
So the return on the return on the contract being signed is that Montreal gets a first and a third round draft pick. They turned around and found somebody at that one point five million dollars less by offering a first and a second round pick to the Arizona Coyotes for Christian Dvorak. Who Boston could not manage to uh, wrangle out of town all summer long, despite the uh, need for a second line center and all of the Valley who around it. Yeah. So they brought in and the second round draft pick is actually in 2024. Yeah. And the so first round pick is, and the first round pick is a conditional depending upon whose pick is higher, whether it's Montreal's because it, it it also involves the pick that they're getting from Carolina. Correct. So whichever pick is higher is the one that's going to Arizona. Um, Christian Dvorak, a couple of years older. I believe he's 25, so three years older, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, making four, his his cap hit is 4.45 million. So now they're getting a known commodity. Uh, not that Kakanyemi is not known, but I think there's more unknown about you know what's his upside. Is he oh, going to fit in? Is he going to fit into the system in Carolina better than he would in Dominic Ducharme's system? Uh, and let's face it, at this point, Arizona is playing with house money because. Anything they do this season is going to be a bleeding miracle if they make it. If they finish higher than 30 this year, they should be disappointed with their efforts to tank. Can, is, it, is, it, is it possible to fail at tanking? <laughs> yes. I mean, to fail at tanking would be you signed a team that just has hearts of lions and doesn't want to give up and just lose, but they've done a pretty good job of it. Considering you traded away, you traded away your best goaltender in Darcy Kemper, your best defenseman. You traded away your best defenseman in OEL. You traded away Christian Devorak. I mean, you still have uh, Jacob Chikrin in house. Still and have Clay- Strallman, Clayton Keller, and Gostas there. <laughs> and Strahlman and Gostaspear. It's a unique... Uh, this I, team has the potential to be exciting without actually being good. Yes. Okay, that's a good way of putting it, actually. I was going to say that they are setting themselves up for the failure that they seem to be looking for. But they do have the possibility of being, especially if they're going to play a lot of these young guys that Nobody like seen. I could, I couldn't see at least two or three, five, four wins or losses in a month for this team, because yeah, they got a couple of guys who can skate, a couple of guys who can shoot. Yeah. I'm not convinced they're going to be that good in their own zone. I mean, but, they do still, they do still have Phil Kessel. I mean, and well, Louis Erickson and Andrew Ladd, and who are all like 306. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the average age of this team, and it's, okay, not exactly low. But then again, you've got guys like Clayton Keller, who's 23, like I said. you got Nick Schmaltz. Um, but you, you brought Jay in. Jay Beagle, who's 35. You brought he in was Jay part Beagle. Of, 
Anton Roussel. Louis Erickson is 36. Uh-huh. Um, Phil Kessel is 33 years old at this point. Yeah. Um, Andrew Ladd is 35. Uh, Anton Strollman is 35. Uh-huh. Carter Hutton is 35. Uh-huh. And, and not only is Carter Hutton 35, he's a 35-year-old goaltender who's only earning 750000 a year. Well, he's, I mean, first of all, he's, he's one of those 35-plus contracts, and so you're only going to sign him in one year anyway. He's not as good as Halak, so Halak's 35-plus contracts with the Bruins were actually for millions of dollars. Carter Hutton is not at that level, so I don't expect that he's going to get millions of dollars. I'm just surprised that, I mean, which one is going to be the starter? Because... Carter Hutton is not a number one. Coronar is unknown. Which one? Do, I mean, they're paying they're paying one point five million for both of their goaltenders for the season. Yep. yep. Again, as I said, Halak made more than that by himself. <laughs> they are clear favorites uh, in the race for number thirty two. Um, they're going to finish. I mean. They're going to finish worse than Detroit. Detroit's actually on an upswing compared to these guys. Um, but they have interesting players. I mean, a couple of them anyway. I mean, oh, their players are certainly interesting. Um, but like huh. I said, they're they're likely to be more interesting than good, um, which oh, makes next, the next year becomes really interesting because you have three forwards signed. <laughs> Everybody else is a UFA. They've got three forwards signed beyond next season. Everybody else is a free agent. Only two of them are RFAs. Everybody else is is unrestricted. Bye bye. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely. If you don't need a, if you don't need a program this year for your uh, watching, you will next season. You will next season because eighty percent of these guys will be gone. Um. What is the? It's just it's just, it, it. I don't know what they're doing down there. Who's in charge of this thing? Who's in charge of this this mon, this atrocity? Bill Armstrong. Okay. So they now have three first round picks this year and five second round picks at the end of the season. Eight picks in the top sixty four. <laughs> If I I I want to see the betting prop on how many of those picks they actually take because if they take all eight, I don't know what you're going to do with them. Well, since you have since you're losing eighty percent of the roster to free agency anyway, you could probably just sign them all the entry level deals and I mean, ooh. What cap floor? Seriously, there's a cap floor. <laughs> okay, so you give a couple of the first rounders a little bit slightly higher contracts. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, what do you do with eight for eight picks in the first two rounds? Because you don't make picks that high to toss into development for five years. Not normally. Don't. Not normally, because it's. What? it's 
pretty certain one of those three first round picks is going to be, oh, I don't know, close to number one overall. One of them should be in the top five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Colorado one is most likely going to be in the bottom five. Yeah, that will be 25 or later, uh, yeah. or certainly should be. The Montreal one, well, it depends on Carolina or Montreal. And so my guess is it's going to be the Montreal one, unless they have another run like they did this year, which is really, I mean, it was unprecedented what they did last year. Well, that no, wasn't unprecedented, but it was unexpected. And it was unexpected and very, very fun to watch. Uh, yeah. Even as a non-Habs fan, it was interesting I to found, see you guys. I found myself... I found myself supporting them over their over their opponents most of the time. I had a I had a difficult time getting through. Um, I had a difficult time getting through the Vegas series. That's because Vegas wasn't. It wasn't good. Well, it was clear that they were. As we've discussed previously, it was clear that they were slower and guys like Caulfield and and Suzuki were able to skate around them fairly easily. Uh, It was when they came up against Tampa Bay, they had basically Montreal had worn themselves out and Tampa Bay, by the way, has a few fast skaters. So it wasn't like they could skate circles around Tampa Bay as well. And then when they couldn't, Tampa Bay had Goudreau and, uh, Coleman to get physical so that made it all that much more difficult and Shea Weber is getting old and can't do it all on his own brief recap of the Stanley Cup final there we go (laughs) so Kakanyemi's gone Uh, Dvorak is in they may have actually improved even if it's just over the short term they may have actually improved at the center position it's just what could they what what was the potential of Kakanyemi I don't know that it was that much higher than Dvorak, assuming you believe that Kanyemi is better. I'm not sure I do. Okay. So are we saying that the old Bergevin is back? You know, I have seen signs of it. uh, And uh, we were discussing this last night or the night before, but uh, wasn't their first round pick uh, preemptively banned? Uh, indefinitely from the OHL. Yes, pop up on my on my phone while we were seeing Shang Chi last night, or just before the movie started. That Logan Mayu, the first round pick of Montreal Canadiens, has been indefinitely suspended from the OHL. I'm not going to get into what he's guilty of, whether it was smart, not smart. Obviously, not smart, but that goes. It, there are layers. But to draft him in the first round brings attention that they didn't need. Nope. Had they drafted him in the third or fourth round, much less attention grabbing. And assuming probably, he was still there. Assuming he was still there, because my understanding is that he is first round talent. Mm-hmm. But still, he he went 31 places before Montreal got to pick him. If he was that kind of talent, other teams would have at least considered it. And I don't believe that – I never even saw his name mentioned. 
until, I, until the pick was made. Yeah, they were not talking about him and just in much the same way that they weren't talking about uh, a certain Brad out of Chicago who's uh, even less of a brilliant person. There's another story that, yeah, why hasn't the NHL done anything? But we digress. Um, so I cannot find the article at the moment. I don't know what happened to it, but uh, we had uh, an article up a few minutes ago that said that the Coyotes are playing for an arena this year. Playing for an arena. Um, I'm assuming at the writer of the article means that they're going to be playing in an arena. Um, because anyone who's looked at their moves in the past nine months, 10 months and come to the conclusion that they're trying to win more than 10 games this season. I'm not sure their appreciation of hockey is strong enough for me to consider at any point in the near future. So most teams play for the fans of of said team, but they're mm-hmm. playing for they're playing for an arena. So does the arena support them in some way? Maybe the arena is going to pay for tickets for everyone and then buy some like popcorn and jerseys too. <laughs> this wouldn't happen to be the one where they got to fill in the lake first, right? I don't know if they're necessarily going to fill in the in in town lake uh, over in Tempe where they're. Uh, looking to where they're looking to build uh, the next home for the Coyotes. Okay. But um, we do know that uh, you know an offer is in the works um, for for an arena, um, and we know that our good buddy Alex uh, Moreo, the owner, Alex Marulo. Oh yeah, Marulo. He's a mm-hmm. he is he's a financial owner. wizard. He's an owner. You know they call that Warren guy the uh, Wizard of Kansas. He is the Wizard of the Desert. <laughs> oh, okay, the Wizard of the Desert. I, I Sage I, I, of the Sands. The Sage of the Oh, what is with the what is with the alliter- alliteration here today? You're in a very poetic mood. <laughs> hey, when I watch Brilliance in Action, it, it inspires me. Okay, good to know. <laughs> uh, it, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see what what transpires with this. They need some place to play. There's no discussion of them moving. They want. I, I don't know if if Batman is not letting them move unless the only other what, chance. Is for the team to fold. That's where I was going with this. Is Batman going to allow them to move? Do they? I mean, if the if it were to move, would it be going back across the border again? Because it's our that that organization has already crossed the border once. Because <laughs> it started as the Winnipeg Jets before they became the Phoenix Coyotes. Ah, uh, I, I just. I mean, uh, the obvious, the two obvious spots, as we've discussed in the past, are Quebec City and the Greater Toronto area. If mm-hmm. it's going to be up in Canada, um, Saskatchewan had talked, made noise about wanting a team at one point. I don't see that one happening, and 
told there's at least four or six more more teams in the in the league. But um, I <coughs> excuse me. I don't expect the team to move outside Arizona any time in the next three years. I think they I think they want a team or Batman at least wants a team in that market. He's not ready to give up on it. Uh, that being said, is it a hockey? Mo- I mean, I've never seen and I'm hoping that the new NHL contract with ESPN will allow me to see more games that are involve Arizona. The trouble is that the team's not going to be good and are they going to get coverage? But I would like to see more games. I would like to see what kind of attendance they have. Because if they're not getting the attendance, does it make sense to keep a franchise in an area where the locals aren't supporting it? No, it doesn't make sense to leave a team there. Unfortunately, we've not ever we've not really ever seen any sustained success from uh, the Coyotes franchise, not when they were in Canada, not here in the desert. Um, And I think you really need like five seasons of an owner who's willing to spend enough that a useful GM, not even a great one, a useful GM can push them into the playoffs, you know, three out of five years. And that's just never happened in there. I can't remember it happening since they've landed in the desert. Uh, The thing is that even if they do end up winning the bid to revitalize the, the, what was it called? The town lake? Tempe Tempe town lake. Yeah. Even if they do end up winning the bid to transform that area into what they hope is going to be an arena and entertainment district, it's still going to be years away. We're not talking, you know, there's already, you know, groundwork yeah. being broken. They haven't even the, – the, the the government officials there that make those decisions haven't even made a decision on whether the, to award the contract or not. So even uh-huh. if they get it, we're talking years away. You still need to find them a home. And yep. The Gila River Arena is not going to be it. Uh, they'll they'll end up playing games in Gila uh, in the in that arena for a little while, um, just like the Islanders kept playing in Nashua and then kept playing in the Barclays Center, which is not mm. set up for hockey. Um, but the, okay, but that's happen. still two different Other people buildings. are not going to be. Yes. Are you telling me that somehow the NHL is going to force Gila River Arena owners or uh, or management to accept one year deals until they can yeah move out? They're going to be. Um, I mean, I I understand that maybe if they pay a premium on the deal, I mean, they might have to pay three or four times what the lease agreement was for this year or this last contract or what, however yep. they worked it with. They're going to have to pay serious premium over and above what they're paying now. But is it? I guess it's possible. But I just I don't know if they want them out. Why would you suddenly allow them back in? Does money speak that loudly? Yes, it does. Okay. fair enough. I mean, really, what else is there to put in there, Uh, particularly with mm, lockdowns extending and, you know, social distancing and all of the other stuff that's inhibiting uh, economic growth, and they suddenly no longer even have a team in their arena. 
Um, it, it, it just makes sense to me that it's going to struggle uh, without the NHL team or an N- or uh, an NBA team or whatever. Uh, I mean, the last, the last, literally the last paragraph of the story reads, the Coyotes likely will need to find an interim arena solution, which we're talking about. The team mm-hmm. told season, the team told season ticket holders and corporate partners in a letter after Glendale broke its ties with the team that it was committed to staying in the Valley and was researching other options. Yeah, I I mean, I would hold my breath <laughs> yeah. on it. What other options are we researching? <laughs> I, I, I literally don't know. Um, maybe they'll set up, uh, maybe they'll permanently set up one of the outdoor ice arenas for like three, two seasons. Well, okay, well, let's stop. Let's stop and think about this outdoor ice arena in Arizona, which is primarily desert. Didn't say it would be easy. (laughs) How do you keep the ice frozen? You apply a lot of cold. And create some shade. That would require encasing it in something otherwise known as a building. <laughs> yeah, they might end up in a temporary building with, you know, basic rafters for four or five years or for two or three years. I, I don't seen, know. I have seen advertisements for those companies that make those those metal, you know, garages and such. And, and you can yep. get them in many different sizes and shapes and forms. So. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't have the answers to this one. It, it's it's a puzzle that continues to break apart rather than put itself together again. It's just weird because they've taken this and just ever since the ever since Chaco went bye bye, this has just crumbled. The whole thing, the organization, the team, the players. It's not good. Nope. Um. Real quick before we move on, just to tie the bow on Logan Mayu, he does have the right to apply for reinstatement after January 1st. A.K.A. after the halfway point of the season, essentially. Yes, but indefinitely, but he can reapply after January 1st. And I am sure he will be reinstated. How indefinitely is indefinitely if he was granted reinstatement? It's now it's definite. Now it was six months or three months or whatever. <laughs> All right, just wanted to tie that bow up. He does have the right to apply for reinstatement. Next story. Um, as we know, uh, all teams make uh, some changes in the off season. The Toronto Maple Leafs are no different. Um, well, they're gonna try and win without defense again. I'm sure. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, reading the hockey writers uh, this morning, and they seem to be doing a variety of math that I'm not sure I can follow. Um, according to their math, Nick Ritchie plus David Camp equals Zach Hyman. That must be the new math. That's a very new math. Like, that's the newer new math. Not even the new math. That's the new new math. Yeah, because I don't see how 
the two on one side equal the one on the other. That's just mm, no. No. Even just adding up the offensive numbers of their best years, no, they don't come to to Hyman's chin level. Um, and they also uh, this article uh, titled Maple Leafs Camp Can Replace Some of Hyman's Intangibles, a.k.a. Defense, because apparently that's intangible. Um, but according to this article, Nick Ritchie might be playing on a line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Wait, wait, wait. Defense isn't intangible in Toronto. Just saying. I am willing to believe that. Um, what's something that, well, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are somewhat different players. What's one thing they both have in common? I don't know. Young, fast, um, fast. Fast. Is Austin Matthews fast or is he quick? Uh, I think those terms are used interchangeably. I think he's got a good top speed. I don't think it's as fast. I don't think it's as high as um, McDavid or oh God, uh, McKinnon. Yeah, no, that those two are pretty much in a league of their own at this point. But it's certainly reasonable, certainly in the top 10, 15 percent of the league. And but, Mitch Marner it, is about the same place. I think Mitch Marner has a little better lateral movement. OK, yeah, I, I can see that. That all that being said. Nick Ritchie is not either of those, any of those. <laughs> He's not in the top 15 percent in the league in speed. Um, his lateral movement uh, is best done uh, while sliding across the bench. Um, and this comes from someone who actually liked the performance he delivered to the Bruins last year. But man, is he not fast? No, and the fact that they're going to stick him on a line with two guys that are pretty much going to be in the offensive zone while he's still trying to exit his own zone. Yeah. Yeah. Cross the center line, something like that. Yes. Um, I could see them. I get I'm picturing as they skate across the blue line, they're turning around going, come on, come on, Nick. Come on. Keep up. Come on. I mean, it might make for some excellent drop passes for shots on net for either rebounds or direct goals. But I suppose if you want to be a if you want to look at it in a positive light, sure. On the other hand, um, what does yeah. he offer? I mean, what does he offer them? He he offers them the ability to camp in front of the net, and okay, he can. Screen, he will come out. Screen things come out up. of a pile with 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 the puck on a regular basis. Okay. Um, He'll go to the net front, which a lot of guys won't do, even guys that size. Um, I mean, Nick Ritchie is not without value. Neither is David Camp. No, I'm not saying they aren't, but neither one of them separately or equal. And there they go. Yeah. Neither one of them separately or equal or, or combined are equal to Zach Hyman is what I'm trying to say. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I, I don't get the premise of the article that implying the two of them can be or should be. I mean, and then the, 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 this article here from it, it goes more into David Camp than it does Nick Ritchie. Or at least yes. what I took away from it, it goes more into what David Camp's Camp is offering the, the team. I mean, yep. 
I just don't see it. It, it, and then they they close the article by saying he's even if he is a bust, he'll be put on waivers, and if he's not claimed, they can bury one point one of his one point five million dollar salary cap hit in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a bonus. I mean. It's, that's your that's your outlook is that even if even if he's a bust we can bury his money and then in Toronto him- yes and don't don't rem- uh, don't forget that they are aiming at him being an effective fourth line player effective fourth line camp yes okay my favorite thing is they're they're ringing endorsement of him in the last sentence of the article is. We don't think he'll be a bust. In yes. fact, in fact, we look forward yes. to watching his defensive game in action. Insert Ric Flair woo right here, right here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. If I were a, if I were a Leafs fan, that would leave me with a, a warmth in my chest that uh, you know that this is the guy. This is they these. These people, the hockey writers, the old prof, you know, he he's warming the cockles of my heart. He 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 really believes in this guy. We don't think he'll be a bust, but Absolutely. In, but if he is, read previous statement. You know, we can bury his money. There you go. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't even get the feeling that Toronto fans feel this is working. Or that I it mean, makes in sense. fairness, he hasn't even taken the ice yet uh, for the team. But it just sort of feels like um, this is a guy I don't hate. Woo. Yeah. Huh? What? Yeah. It's not a positive thing. It's it, it, it's like a backhanded thing. Yeah. This is a great guy. This is a guy I don't hate. This okay. guy's going to wear our jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Where do they expect Kemp to play? Oh, on the fourth line? Is that what you said? Fourth line center. He's going to be fourth line center, and Nick Ritchie's going to play on the top line with Matthews, Matthews and, Marner. and Marner. Yeah, with those super fast feet of his. Oh yeah, I'm 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 visioning it already. I want to see a Toronto pre preseason game just so I can watch them work together. As Matthews and Marner skate backwards up the ice, uh, each with a handout pulling Ritchie along. Nick, take that, take that uh, parachute off your back. What parachute? There's nothing there. Well, why are you so slow? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I just don't. I, I'm sorry. I understand that Zach Hyman got away, and you got to sell the Toronto fans on something, but this isn't it. Where do we go next? <laughs> The map says that we should talk about a very unhappy Brady. Go. And I don't know how unhappy he actually is. That's what kills me is like because this is another one of those blog posts or or fan sites or because it's Forever Blue Shirts, which, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, Forever Blue Shirts is a is a blog site or fan site for. New York Rangers. Yes. Okay, just checking because none of the things in this article have a thing to do with the New York Rangers. Rangers. No, they don't. 
But the the one thing I did, and it does, it mentions the trade for Dvorak and they lost Kotkaniemi and whatnot. But the third thing that it mentions and the one that caught my eye was that a certain Kachuk named Brady, who is in that lovely young organization of players named the Ottawa Senators, and he's not happy because of his contract situation. He's the only... I believe he's the only RFA left on the Senators that hasn't been hasn't signed a deal yet. What I've read from other sources, and by sources I mean other blog sites that I've seen, is that he has been offered contracts as high as uh, six years, forty-two million dollars, an average value average average value of seven mil a year. But if he's getting seven mil a year as an as an offer. What is there to not be happy about? Uh, I mean, there's a couple of ways that that could go. Uh, I mean, every one of us expects the cap to go up next year, the year after, and the year after that. Um, so maybe he's looking for a short-term deal where he can see that get a better contract three years from now when That's- instead of 81 81- <laughs> The cap at 81 and said 86 or 87. Right. That's what I took away from it. That was my first thought when I read this was that and, – and the thing is that this all came out on the day that Drake Batherson – and we're going to get into that story, but Drake Batherson signed a deal. But And, and Dorian very professionally said, look, you know, we've had productive discussions with Brady's camp. Brady seems to – I think that's something that because- all – owners say or or gms say that's something all gms say but like when one side says we haven't seen a legitimate offer how can there be progress i mean but is six years 42 mil a legitimate i mean is 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 a legitimate offer in the eyes of the beholder and yeah i mean it maybe he's looking for eight by eight and a half uh and that would keep him happy for the next couple of years. But if he's looking for if he's looking for eight by eight and a half, he might be. I honestly think that it's more. I honestly think he's, he wants shorter he's an term captain. Yeah. Uh, he let's see. He has uh, 125 points in his 198 games for them. Um. I would have to look up how his stats uh, run for the three-year total, but he's been a productive player. Um, he's you watch him on the ice, and he looks he looks more competitive in the NHL than he did in college. Because yeah, I remember well, you and I saw him, him in yeah. college, and we're like, he's going in the first round. They're going. They're they're going to take him in the top five. And I I was I was, I was not impressed. I was actually not impressed. I was like, I don't see it. I really um, don't see it. He's played 198 games in his career so far. He's got 124 points. And it's fairly even down the line. He's got 60 goals and 64 assists. So he's neither he's neither scorer nor distributor extraordinaire. He does Every, he does it both well. Plus, he's got um, 
trying to figure it out here. That's over an 82 game average. I mean, oh, excuse me, 125 points, 1665. I was looking at the extra stats. Uh, this is all thanks to hockey reference. But he's also, I mean, he's also a guy who's not afraid to, you know, get involved with the with the with the physical. He's in his three years. He's got 250 penalty minutes. Okay. So we're talking 80 minutes on average a year, 80 plus minutes on average a year. So he's not afraid of the physical. He can score. He can pass. Uh, he averages slightly under 18 minutes a night so far. 17.42, 40. And as a winger, 47.2% face-off wins is better than some centers. Um, Seriously. So over the last three seasons that he's been a part of the team, he is their leading scorer. Um, 125 points. I set the filter at 105 games played since the start of the uh, 18-19 season. Mm -hmm. 60 goals, 65 assists, 125 points. Thomas Shabbat, defenseman, is right behind him. The next guy is Chris Tierney, um, who's several years older. Um, and then um, Colin White, Connor Brown are well down under 100. But, like, it's Brady, 125, um, Shabbat, 125, Chris Tierney, 104, and then everyone else is under 100, 100 points. Um What's really interesting here is, I mean, he's got 28 power play points in that time. Um, and, you know, that's that's as many as Tierney and White put together. Who have played about the same number of games. Um, he's if it's not Shabbat, Brady is Brady Kachuk is probably their best player. You pay your best player. Okay, so six years, 42, it just isn't moving the needle. Is it the six years or is it the 42? In my opinion, I think the six years is too long. I think Brady's looking at, and I hate to use guys like Eichel because we know what he's going through, and and but he's looking at top players on their respective teams, and they're getting eight figures. And I just get this odd feeling that Brady Kachuk thinks that he's an eight-figure guy. In other words, ten mil a year plus. I I don't think he's there yet. Does he have the potential to get there in three years if he signs a if he were to sign a three-year twenty three-year twenty-four million dollar deal? There's an average of eight year eight million per. In three okay. years, when that contract is up, is he going to be a ten million dollar a year player? In fairness to him, uh, Jack Eichel has only played 166 games since the start of the 18-19 season. His yeah, points per game is noticeably higher at 1.07, but he's only got 178 points over that time to uh, to Kachuk's uh, 125. So mm-hmm. yeah, Eichel is Eichel is more productive, but if you're using that as a benchmark. Brady Kachuk has played more. Yeah. Um, he's got. Uh, yeah, he's got. You know, actually, their face-off win percentage is almost identical. <laughs> Which is scary because Eichel is a center. Yep. 
Uh, Although, to be quite honest, does he play more center or wing? Uh, I I think it depends on who's on the ice, because last year it was Reinhardt who was playing uh, more center. Um, You know, it's... You, you can make an argument that, I, I as I said, I wouldn't give Kachuk more than Eichel is getting. Okay. But, but it's, you, when you added the physicality and the durability, you're moving the needle a whole lot closer. And so, so you're you were about to answer my question, which was, is he a ten? Is he an eight-figure player, a ten million dollar a year player now? That depends on whether you want to sign him long term or not. If you're signing him for two years and ten million, and he goes out and pops in forty five goals and seventy assists each of those years, which I don't see happening on this team, but if he does, it means you're going to have to pay him like twelve and a half million or thirteen million after that, and that's a big gamble. Right. I'm se- I'm seriously of the mind. I'm seriously of the mind that you offer him. Either three years, 24, eight years, 30. I mean, three years, 24, four years, 32. Something that averages out to about $8 million a year. Give him give him what Shabbat's making. His Shabbat, his numbers are equal to Shabbat as far as points over the over the same number of games. Whatever. Uh, Shabbat's your number one defenseman. He's your number one forward. Both of them wearing a uh, give yeah. Him, give would, him equal. Give him equal to what Shabbat's getting now. Just don't make it a long term deal. Three, in three years, eight. in three years or four years, he's hitting his prime. You revisit the number if he's if he's worth it. You then give him an eight figure salary for three or four years. Now you're not stuck in Eichel land where you're giving him ten million for the next six years. You're only giving him ten million for four years, and that's four years, three years down the road. That's a win-win for me and the team. And if you want to keep that team together with all those young guys which who are eventually going want. to get paid, which he should want, because the longer you can keep that core together, him, Colin White, uh, Drake Batherson, uh, Tim Stutzla at nineteen, he's going to he's up and coming. I'm sorry that you got Shabbat on the defense and, and a couple of others. Uh, you need to keep that core together and you are going to be successful. I personally think that's the way to go. Three years now at eight million per seven and a half to eight million per. Yeah, I'm in. And then three years from now, revisit it. He's worth it. You give him his four year, 10 million per deal, four or five years at 10 million per. You saved the money now, so you avoided paying him ten million for seven years. You're going to give him the ten million. It's just three, four years from now. I and I think that that probably works with the. I mean, they have cap space to burn at this point. Um, their current, I mean, they currently have 24 million in cap space. I think they're just over the the cap floor. Their current deadline projection is 116 or almost 117 million in cap space. They can pay him whatever they whatever they feel is the right number this year. So getting him signed at eight million 
I think that's something that Dorian should consider. If Kachuk will sign three by eight, I think he'd do that all day. All day. And you mentioned uh, Drake Batherson. Yeah, just, and I hate to say as quote unquote an aside, but I mean, it's how I got to, it's how I got to the story, you know, with, with Brady is I was looking for any signings that had taken place, anything, any noticeable ones anyway. And yeah, they, the senators did at that time that this came up, they had signed Drake Batherson and he's got a six year deal. Uh, I don't I don't know if you call it team friendly, but I mean, it's six years, just slightly under 30 million per. I mean, just slightly under 30 million total. So it's four point nine seven five average annual value. He's 23 years old. By the time this I mean, mean, I'm going to guess they're going to be revisiting this contract around the time he's 26, 27. I mean, he's not going to make it. Just under $5 million, uh, a cap hit for a guy who hasn't hit the 20 gold mark. I would like that. Sign me up. He ranked fourth on the Senators with 34 points in 56 games, 17 goals, 17 assists. I mean, it's, it's, not, like, it's not like the 34 points were in an 82-game season. This was no. 34 points in 56 games. That You want to project that out to 82 you're talking like a 65, 70, 65 to 70 point guy. Oh, no, I'm not saying he's a bad player. Uh, he's played 99 NHL games. His first at the 1819 season is when he came in. He had nine points in 20 games. The 1920 season, he had 10 points in 23 games. And he just flipped the switch last year um, with 34 and 56. I mean, that's. That's a pretty significant year-over-year bump. Um, it would be nice if the team's uh, plus-minus numbers were a little tiny bit better, but uh, they got run over in a division where uh, playing against only their fellow Canadians all year, um, to not many people's surprise. No, not at all. I mean, I... if and this is assuming it's money. That where that's holding up Brady, not to jump topics again. No, that's fine. They're tied into each other because they have. Pierre Dorian actually said, "Look, this is a day about Drake. This, uh, you know, um, we need to celebrate Drake Batherson." But just to let you know, we had we had positive communication or whatever the quote was with Brady's camp. So they kind of came out together. You know, with him being unhappy in Bratherson's contract. So, yeah, talking about him at the same time doesn't hurt. There is the other there is the other question of what uh, of what might be holding this up. And that is something that we saw. uh, We saw a lot of stuff happening around uh, the trade deadline or the postseason trade revival and the opening of free agency. And that is. Maybe he wants to play with his brother. It's been mentioned. Uh, I mean, the two of them on one team sounds like a whole lot more belligerence than anyone else wants to deal with. And to me that if you're paying attention, that means that sounds like a whole lot of fun. Um, 
Okay, so is he agitating for him to be traded or for his brother to be traded there? I don't know, know, but if I'm Matthew, I would rather go to I would rather go to Ottawa at this point. Oh, absolutely. I think that Um, the up and coming youth in uh, I think the up and coming youth movement in Ottawa on the Senators is it would just be a bonus. I mean, Calgary's a nice team, but I don't think they're winning anything. No, uh, if I'm Calgary, I could look at this team and say, no, I don't, I don't necessarily want anything off your roster, but, um, I need to rebuild. My team's not getting any younger. Uh, sure. You, you, you want Matthew? It can be done. Does Calgary have anything to offer for Brady? I mean, Calgary, I mean, draft picks are. Always well. No, it's the other way around. But oh Calgary. no, no. I'm moving because Brady to if Calgary. You, if, if if you're moving Brady to this is why I think it should be Matthew to Ottawa because I I don't know that Calgary first of all has anything to offer to attract Brady to the Senators except for his brother. I don't think no. that that team. Uh, I don't know that that team is really uh, moving on up. So to speak. Um, no, I don't. I don't really believe. I, it I, I mean, I like Mangiapane. I really like Elias Lindholm. Uh, is it Lindholm? Yeah, I really like Elias Lindholm. I mean, stolen, stolen from Carolina would be the phrase I'd use. I mean, I, I mean, if I'm- maybe they didn't know what they had, but oops. Um. Goudreau is is Goudreau, Matthew Goudreau, yeah. But you've lost you've lost Giordano on defense. Um, Markstrom is uh, at now right now your only goaltender listed. Uh, your backup is I'm guessing going to be possibly Vladar. Maybe, uh, but if I'm if I'm uh, the Calgary Flames, I'm looking at uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, uh, right defense, and Lassie Thompson, also right defense. Um, one one Canadian, one uh, one Finn, as okay. part of the return package for Matthew, and probably like uh, how much time is left on Brady's contract or Matthew's contract? Uh, Matthew is, I thought they were just working on, I don't know, I just had it up. Matthew's contract, he, oh, this is the last year of his deal, and then he's an RFA with arbitration eligible. So, if it's just one year, seven million dollars one year. I could see it getting done for those two, play, for those two prospects. Do you know Matthew is only 23? Yeah, he's been in the league for like five years, but I mean, yeah. Matthew's only 23. Brady is what? 20, 20, 20 or 21. Um, yeah, they'd be scary on the same. They'd be, and by scary, you mean a whole lot of fun. Brady is 21. Brady is indeed 21, yeah. Not arbitration uh, eligible. Actually, Brady will be 22 in two, in two weeks. Okay. Um... 
No, wait a minute. Uh, that's the yeah. Brady will be twenty-two. Matthew probably is going to be twenty-four. In I can never find his birthday on this. In a couple of months, uh, December eleventh. So there's barely there's like twenty months between the two of them. Uh, yeah, twenty months. <sighs> nice. Matthew is December of 97, and yep. Brady is September of 99. Uh, twenty. So there's 22 months between them. October, November, 21 months between them. Huh. Yeah, that would be a very, very entertaining... I mean, six, six years of the Kachuk brothers <laughs> at peak together... <laughs> Could get expensive too. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but, I but mean, if you make them, if you make them your core and build around them, however, the two of them, Shabbat, um, Batherson, and that's what I'm saying. Matthew Matthew Kachuk actually fits right in on the Senators. He's part of the youth movement. He's only 23, going to be 24. It's like, wow. Okay, so. If you squeeze him onto the Ottawa Senators, the average age of your team goes up by what a month? I mean, it's not yes. like he's yeah. it's not he's not seriously affecting the youth movement in any way. Twenty three, twenty four. Oh wait, Connor Brown's twenty seven. Chris Tierney's twenty seven. Austin Watson, who they got from Nashville, he's the he's he's the aged one of the bunch at twenty nine. Josh Norris is 22. Stutzla is 19. Uh, again, Kachuk, like you said, 21, going to be 22. Shabbat's 24. We got a couple of older defensemen. Okay, I don't have a problem with older defensemen as long as they're not so old that they can't play the position anymore. But If they can't remember how to cross over anymore, they should uh, exit the ice permanently. I mean, Nick Holden, the old one of the bunch there at 34. And Delzato. Well traveled, Nick Holden. Yeah. Played a little bit of time in Boston as well. As well as, um, oh, like yeah. The, five other cities. Yeah, Vegas being one of them. Uh, Delzato at 31. And Zaitsev at 29. And then the rest all fall into the early hello, 20s. Youth movement uh, extraordinary. And. The biggest question on this team, and I say it again, is goaltending. Matt Murray can't stay healthy. I Boisberg. still wonder where they're going to find good centers, but you know, that's a that's a separate question. But they can put the puck in the net. I mean, the team is capable of doing that. It's keeping the puck out of their own net. Anton Forsberg, there's a reason he's not in Chicago anymore. And it's not because he got tired of playing in Chicago because at 28 years old, he's only making $900,000. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 no arguments here. Um, <laughs> Nick Holden has played for Columbus, yeah. Colorado, yeah. the Rangers, the Boston yeah. Bruins, the Vegas Golden Knights, and he begins his inaugural season with the Senators this year. There you go. And he's the he's he's the he's the soothsayer of the team. He's the he's the oldest in, on, on he's the oldest on the ice at this point in time at 34. Yeah. I 
again, young team. Yeah, Matthew. I definitely if Matt if one Brady if one Kachuk's going somewhere, it should be Matthew to Ottawa. And yeah, if you have to part with, I mean, it's going to cost. And unfortunately, yeah, it's going to cost a Bernard Docker, and they're they're big on on Docker in Ottawa. Yeah. It's going to cost them a Docker. I'm sorry. If, you, if it costs me pay. Docker and a first round pick, and I can get both Kachuks signed for long term at reasonable rates, even if I have to pay both of them nine million a year for eight years, done. <laughs> yes. Because unless they have some sort of major falling out, that's practically a line if you want to play them together. And I wouldn't necessarily do it because both of them play fairly physically, fairly aggressively and being able to roll both of them out onto the ice and keep the defeat, the defense and the opposing teams forwards on their, uh, on the defensive with their head up and not looking at the puck. That's a good thing. That's a really, really good thing. Uh, we saw uh, just before the show, I saw a redraft uh, article of the 20 of the 20 uh, 2003 uh, draft, which I thought was kind of fascinating. So uh, say, we did it. We did we our did own one, redraft, not uh, last year or the year before. And about a, a little over a year ago. Um, mm. And this one's by NBC Sports. Their question is. Would Patrice Bergeron be pick number one in the twenty uh, in a tw- two thousand three redraft? Um, wait, wait, they only get the top ten. I have a question for you, Mike. Yeah. Is water wet? Well, let's find out. Um, <laughs> they've got their table up here with the original draft pick at that position, and then the um, and then who was that? Who they repicked? Um, my biggest problem is probably with number 10 itself. I think it's a little high. Yeah, Original I, pick was Andre Kostisin. Mm-hmm. They picked Zach Parisi here. Um, Neither one of us had him in our top 10. Just no. Uh, at number nine, the Calgary Flames drafted Dion Phaneuf, um, who didn't really get enough credit when he had his head screwed on straight. But again, I'm not sure. I, I don't remember having him in my top 10. Um, uh, and they I selected Jeff Carter here. I'm trying to remember who I had where now. Um, let's see for me, or I, I do have my direct, I do have my redraft up here. Um, so for me, 10, number 10 was uh, Joe Pavelski. Number nine was Nathan Horton. Uh, number eight was Corey Perry. Okay. Um, at number. So they uh, have they have Joe here at eight. Joe Pavelski and then oh. Mark Andre Fleury at seven, uh, which is the spot that I dropped uh, Jeff Carter into. I dropped Jeff Carter actually into eight. Um, Fleury I had at eleven. Zach Parise, I had at 18. Um, I in the sixth spot, I act, is actually where I have uh, Ryan Marco Dre Flurry. Oh, okay, well they have Ryan Suter here. San Jose at that time took Milan Mihalik. Yeah, uh, that's 
not the best pick in the in the draft. Not that Milan Mahalik was a bad player. He played what was it, six seven hundred games? Somewhere yeah, no, he played. He had a very he had a long career. I don't have a problem. I mean, I didn't have Mahalik that high. I mean, I I I put Suter fairly high on my list because. Uh, 747 games for Milan Mahalik. Uh, so not a terrible pick, just not the pick that either one of us made. Correct. Um, where were we? Uh, what number were we at? We are currently at number five, where the Buffalo Sabres took a guy named Thomas Vanek, a guy who was a Bruins killer yeah. throughout his career, wherever he was. And otherwise didn't do much. Yeah, if you needed a, if you needed a pure goal scorer, Vanek was your guy. He was d- defensively there wasn't anything to his Presence. game, but yeah, but he would have been pure, perfect for Edmonton. Pure goal. <laughs> yes, he would. Pure goal scorer, Thomas Vanek was your guy. They redrafted, and this is where they took Corey Perry. Um. Now I have four. Corey Perry at five, so. Uh, at five, uh, number five, I have Eric Stahl. I think I had him a little higher, which they have him a little higher on their list as well. But we'll get there. We're we're creeping up at number, uh, number four. four. Uh, number four, Columbus Blue Jackets took Nikolai Zherdev. No. Um, and the redraft, they put Shea Weber in this spot, which Shea I am Weber. completely comfortable with. Shea Weber, top five in the draft. Um just go back and look at his career and I will not accept any arguments. Otherwise, if he's not in the top five, you need to uh, re-examine how much of a hockey fan you truly are. Uh, when I re- when I did the redraft uh, um, and it looks like the last edit for this was April 26, 2020. So um, I, I put in my notes, this man should own at least two Norris trophies um, for, for Shea Weber. Uh, at number three, Appreciate I probably made um, at number three, I made a pick that I think a lot of people probably disagreed with then and probably still disagree with. And I don't care. Um, and I put Dustin Bufflin um, original. I pick. No problem with that. I mean, I have Bufflin down at nine myself. I mean, yeah, I I moved him down a little bit. I don't have any real good reason as to why if he's not in your top 10 once again you need to revisit how much of a hockey fan you truly are (laughs) um number three originally nathan horton who i still had in the top 10 they do not i think part of that is the way his career ended uh ryan getzlaff is who they took at number three I can't argue with the Ryan Getzlaff, though. I mean, his, no, I, his career and, and, and longevity and, for the most part, durability and oh. the leadership of uh, the leadership he, he extols uh, on, on, on the Anaheim on the, on the Anaheim organization. Yep. I, 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 it's just sad that that organization has not won a cup. I mean, uh, and they. Honestly, from everything that I can tell, when they were looking at draft picks for a good six or seven year period, they completely ignored and probably for trade evaluation and free agent signings as well. They completely ignored player health. 
because that has been the unhealthiest team in the league for the last decade. This is true. Um, number two, originally Eric Stahl. They took Eric Stahl. I don't have a major complaint with that, except that. That's actually where I have. Yeah. I, I don't have a major complaint, but I, I, I didn't have him there. Um, and no, and that's. And, and I that, didn't necessarily feel he warranted it. I, that's actually where I had Ryan Getz laugh. Um, Getz laugh at two of you. I think Getzloff is the only guy in the uh, draft who actually owned a Hart Trophy at the time and probably still is. And that was one of my deciding factors for how I was placing people. Um, Number one, they very shockingly, given the title (laughs) of the article, uh, did not reselect Marc-Andre Fleury as number one. They picked Patrice Bergeron. Wait, that's why they titled the article... The way they did, I thought it had something more to do with, you know, moving Andre Fleury down. Well, they didn't actually use a certain graphic of a certain goaltender with a sword through his back. Um, oh! <laughs> but uh, rumor has it that one's been deleted from all over the Internet, so. Yes, rumor has it that Alan Walsh is probably charging money to get it if you want prints made up. <laughs> he might still be a little salty on that one. <laughs> Um, I had Bergeron, Bergeron number one. So the argument being what he shouldn't be number one. Wait, is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm pretty certain I didn't say that. Um, I'm pretty certain you, you would did. never say that. You did. I I did. I did. I I slotted him in at oh, number four. <laughs> if we agreed on everything, would it be an enjoyable show? Um, well, we don't necessarily have to agree as long as you acknowledge that I'm right. When you start acknowledging when I'm right, I will certainly do that. If that ever happens, I will. I acknowledge that I was incorrect. Clearly, Bergeron needs to be number one in this draft. I mean, I know what I was doing when I made that draft list. Because if you rotate Bergeron back up over, it rotates everybody back into the positions they should be in, which is Eric Stahl second, where they have Eric Stahl, puts Getzlaff third, where they actually have Getzlaff, Corey Perry sits in fifth. It, 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 I was creating a dialogue by uh-huh. fourth. Uh-huh. It's a technique. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you're retconning. I mean, are you like Marvel could, in the nineties? Could be. It could be something like that too. Sure. No, clearly Patrice Bergeron should be number one. There's, there's anybody who's going to argue that point. It's not just your hockey sense that you should be questioning. It's a lot of other things too. Most individual achievements and has won at every level in his NHL career. He's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, he's won all of those Selkies, a Masterson. Uh, he won, didn't he win the um, Messier this year? Um, he was awarded the Messier this year, which I firmly believe Messier just kind of, you know, he goes, yeah, um, let's give it to this guy. I don't know that there's actually a, a, a formula for that one. Um, I think Messier just gets to pick who he wants. Uh, and you know, he's been a very key contributor in the Olympics in world juniors, um, and in the Stanley cup final. 
I mean, the consmite clearly went to Tim Thomas, but uh, much deserved. I'm sorry. Much it, deserved. It, no you're argument. You're not going to win that. Yeah, you're not going to win that argument with me. Sorry. <laughs> but if it had gone, if it had actually gone to Patrice Bergeron a year later, would how many people? What percentage of people would be complaining? I'm not. No, nobody would complain. No, 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 no. I'm not. It, I'm just saying that it, it went to the cor- it, it went, went to the, to right the correct player. Unlike poor Tim, uh, unlike poor Gensel, who didn't get his oh, much deserved Con Smythe a couple of years ago. He, he well, he got his much deserved. He got his much not deserved screwing because um, they had to give it to some guy named Cindy. Yeah. I that, just I that one's just no. It, it was baffling to me how a youngster and I don't know if they're gonna actually ever make the argument that you know you have to earn you know you have to earn your dues or or, or whatever. But eek, no. Uh, uh Patrice Bergeron is fifty-seven games away from twelve hundred. He's at the end of his contract. <sighs> okay. Um, if he averages 75 games per year, Mm -hmm. um, it means he needs about four seasons to play to hit the 1500 game mark. Does he do it? 75 games a year for four more years. Yeah. I, uh, I, He's 37, though. 36. 37? 36. Uh, he doesn't turn 37 until next July. So we're talking about playing till 40 or at least 40. He's not chasing a goal-scoring record. or I mean, it's not like he's chasing records. There's a lot of team records that he's in line to climb on, uh, climb hard on. But isn't he, isn't he closer to them than four years out? Like, it's not sure. going to take. It's not going to take four years to get there. I don't know. This one, mm, there is part of me that wants to say yes, he makes it to fifteen hundred. But there's a part of me that says I don't know that he plays four more years. Um. So let's see. If you if you front load the number of games played per season, I mean, if he can play all eighty two for the first two years and then. Divide the remainder among the second two. Here's the other part. Yeah. All time. Right now, he's third in line for all time games played for the Boston Bruins. He's uh, he's about 300 behind Johnny Busick. Ray Bork leads the team all time at 1518. It's possible for him in four years to hit that 1419. Well, if he's going to make fifteen hundred, uh, fourteen he passes fourteen nineteen along the way. No, 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 fifteen eight, fifteen nineteen, fifteen nineteen uh, would get him number one for games played. Ah, um, that's only. I mean, that's that's not even a quarter of a season uh, after the fifteen hundred mark. So. What uh, I mean, I, I'm I, I, I suppose the first question I would need to ask myself, and I don't know if that I don't know that anybody except Patrice can answer this question is. 
how much is he worried? How much is he worried about personal accomplishments? I mean, yes, everybody, regardless of what they say, is somewhat worried about personal accomplishments. You want to be the best at something. You want to be number one, whatever. He, he, if he denied caring about those things altogether, I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, sure. But how much, how important is it to him? I don't know how he important. He would need to play 4.6 more seasons, essentially, to get to, so five seasons, call it five seasons, to hit okay. to hit that 15, 19 or so. Um, I don't know if he hits it. I don't know if he hits the 15, 19. I don't know if he hits 1,500. I, I just. I think it's safe to say he will probably pass Busick at 300, but I don't know if he wants to hold on for 80 more games to pass Bork. Um, as far as goals go, he is 20. Right now, he's 20 behind Ray Bork for number four. Um, that would get him. Um, but he's only. Uh, but he's only. Uh, what is that? 20. 27 behind Rick Middleton for number three. Uh, I don't think he's catching Ray Bork in assists, but he should pass Esposito this season with only 11 between them. Uh, points, he's already number four. Um, he should hit 1,000 points end of next year. Okay. Um, I don't think he's getting 93 points this year or 80. Well, is it 917 this year? 83 points isn't completely ridiculous if the 200-foot line or the Raptors is together and healthy. Um, When's the last time he hit 90, 93 points? Well, it would be 83 points to hit. 83, 83 points to hit. So, so point per game. Point per game, which he's, which he's actually been better than a couple of the last years. Um, If all three of those guys are healthy and the defense can uh, actually, you know, get the puck up ice to them. I can see him hitting a thousand this year. I mean, they do play Toronto like six or seven times this year. So that should be, that should be 10. Are we going back to, are we going back to old rivalries? We are back to normal uh, divisions uh, this year. Right, but in normal, but under the under the most recent normal, we were only playing Montreal and Toronto and. Well, I don't know like how many times they're playing this year, but uh, it would be nice. Like it the would, eighteen nineteen season, he had seventy nine points in sixty five games. Okay. But that's 65 games. I mean, he still missed time due to injuries. Yeah. So, middle of ne- early next season, he could ha- he could crack a thousand. Uh, okay. With next November, you know, a year from now, next November. Next uh, November, or just before Christmas, whichever. Okay, sure. Early Christmas gift, absolutely. Um. Let's see. Let's look at some of the other ones. He's number four or five all time for power play goals. He needs 15 to uh, catch Cam Neely, 16 to pass him. Um, I'm not sure he'll stick around long enough for 36 power play goals to catch Esposito. 
at number three. Brad Marchand is already number one in team history for shorthanded goals. Bergeron is tied at number five, um, but he's only five away from catching Rick Middleton himself. Um, five shorthanded goals over the next four or five years, certainly possible. Uh, finished number two with his line mate. Um, game winning goals, a stat I hate. Um, He's seven behind Phil Esposito. That one's harder to control. I mean, really hard to control. Um, I don't think he's going to stick around long enough to catch up to almost 2,000 or a little over 2,500 shots to Ray Borg. Shooting percentage, nobody cares. Hat tricks. uh, Hat tricks, he's actually... uh, Tied for ninth with Adam Oates. Um, he'd need one more to move into a tie with Middleton and McNabb. With how many? Uh, he has six. McNabb and Middleton both had seven in their career. Phil Esposito had 26, which tells you the quality of goaltenders. <laughs> no, but Phil David Esposito score. I was going to say Pasta. Isn't he at like six or four. eight or... Something? He's got 10 already in his career. Oh, he's got 10. 10 already. Okay. 10. Pasta. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. And that's really, those are really the core stats that anyone is ever going to pay attention to when they're getting ready to drop him into the hall of fame without much debate. And and my question again is, we talk about them. I mean, we 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 are fans of hockey. We're fans of Patrice. We're fans of uh, just good hockey. What whether it's played by aliens or you know, yeah, whoever. I mean, we we talk about all kinds of hockey here. Are these all all these numbers and all these stats ultimately? He's going to ask. It's going to be him asking himself, how much is he worried, concerned about breaking one or two of those records or moving one step closer to the top? And I don't know. I don't get that impression from him that that's his driving force. I don't think it is. I think I think it's going to depend on how much fun is he having? Like he's won a cup. He's won. He's won a bunch of trophies. Is he still healthy and is he having fun when he hits game 906? If he is, yeah, he might sign another two-year contract or a one-year contract and another one-year contract and go for that and go for the thousand. But I don't, I don't see, I don't see him sticking around to get to game uh, to go for the all-time games played, unless he's still racking up 20 goals a season. Uh, the one thing I and I'm and I certainly will never accuse him of being all ego, but I don't see Patrice Bergeron wanting to be the team mascot. Um, I don't Agreed. see him wanting to be the guy who's who's out there five minutes a night just because he's Patrice Bergeron and we yeah. need to keep him on the ice so that the fans keep coming. No, I, he, if he's, 
I the impression I get is if he doesn't feel he's being productive and playing a productive number of minutes, yeah. and he's not contributing, he's going to walk away. I, and more than that, I think if he gets, if he gets to a point in his career where he can say, "Am I being played because of my name and because of what I did ten years ago?" And am I better than that kid in Providence who deserves a shot? And the answer is, no, I'm not better than that kid in Providence who deserves a shot. He's done. Yeah. Um, I agree. And that's that's what it is. Uh, and that's pretty much where we should probably end. We did have a quick poll. I did do a quick poll. Middle oh, OK. Of the week. I don't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to overstep. Um, My short apologies. Poll. I only asked um, one question. Where will the Boston Bruins finish this season? Ah. Um, first in the Atlantic, second in the Atlantic, uh, third in the Atlantic, fourth or lower. They got zero votes for fourth or lower, which I think is probably right. Yeah. And only 5.3% of respondents think that they're going to finish first. Okay. Um, 31.6 voted for second. And then uh, third was the overwhelming winner at 63.2%. Uh, um, Behind whom? That's that's always the question. I mean, in the Atlantic, you've got – I'm pretty certain they're going to beat handily beat both Buffalo and Detroit. Okay. They'll probably be ahead of Ottawa. Okay. Which leaves uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay, yeah. Montreal, yeah. and Florida. And Florida was a really competitive team last year. They lost their number one de- uh, defenseman going into the home stretch. Okay. They- they legitimately have a shot at winning the the Atlantic Division, especially since everyone's going to get to beat up on the Soft West this year, and the and the teams who make the most hay there are going to are going to they're going to climb the standings harder. Um, I don't know that anyone should be falling asleep on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Did they lose significant players? Yes, so they did. Gonna- so they're going to finish in third behind the two Florida teams. They could finish in third behind uh, Florida Careful. and Toronto. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay is sliding into fourth. Yeah. Toronto, no. Have you so what's your call right now? Where are they finishing? Second. I see... I think there will be a team, whether it be Tampa Bay, because they still have Vasilevsky, they still have Victor Hedman, they have a strong de- they have a strong defense core. Yes, they lost some key players as far as uh, middle six players, bottom four, bottom six players in in Goudreau and Coleman, but you've still got. Um, Obviously, you still got Stamkos. You still got Braden Point. You still got. They managed to not lose Andre Palat. Whether you think that he's important or not, how important do you think a penalty kill is? And then get back to me. Um, 
they and brought they in they brought Corey in Perry. Corey Perry. I, I mean, not that that should really move the needle a lot, but his oh, he replaces room, a lot of the attitude that you lost in the offseason. His locker room presence is going to be something. Uh, the defense hasn't changed much. I mean, you still got Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Cernak. So top four defenseman hasn't changed. I I don't and 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 you still got Vasilevsky in net. The only thing they did was they changed his backup. I don't. I think you ha- can't discount them. I don't think Toronto is going to because Toronto's goaltending is no. Uh, I like Jack Campbell, but you can't play him 82 games. And you brought in Peter Morozik. So clearly you don't respect the, the, the importance of the backup goaltender. Uh, even though I did like him when he was with Detroit because that's going to get thrown at me. And I did, but I did. in small doses, he's okay. He's one of those guys who's not a number one, in my opinion. But their, their their lack of defense, defensive capabilities, their lack of defense, just no. So Boston's going to finish second, most likely behind Tampa Bay. I think that it will be a dogfight between them and Florida for second, third. Interesting, interesting. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Uh, we'll throw, have- I'll pull it up a short poll or two during the week, um, and we'll talk about them on next week's show. Chris? One, I have one final question for everybody listening and for you, if you wish to ponder it. Why is Rick Middleton not in the Hall of Fame? Discuss. Uh, that's a really interesting question, and I will definitely want to put some notes together because <laughs> the off-the-cuff uh, answer probably contains a little too much swearing for our show. Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen, take care. Thanks for listening. Share the show with everyone you know. And all the people you don't, too. Take care.